shit. Make him laugh, make him laugh. Bet you all tired of hearing the constant blather. In the end, you just want to know that laughing matters. From entrepreneurs to Fortune 500, humor makes the world go round. You didn't know? It's a fit for a throw, like a roll with spaghetti. To keep your culture light when times are heavy. So sit back and relax as you raise the bar. When it all comes down to the ha, ha, ha. Yeah, make him laugh, make him laugh, huh? You make him laugh, make him laugh. Welcome to Laughing Matters, a podcast like no other you'll hear, and you can thank your lucky ears for that. At Laughing Matters, we explore the power of humor and laughter in a world sorely lacking both, and how leaders from all walks of life use humor to take the edge off. I'm your co-host, Steve Cody, allegedly founder and CEO of PepperConf, joined as always by my North Carolinian, is, I think I'm right with that, my North Carolinian- co-host Paul Marchand, senior vice president and podcast co-host extraordinaire. What's going on in Raleigh today, Paul? Steve, I think uh, beautiful weather as usual, uh, although confused as to the uh, allegedly founding. Has anybody questioned you founding PepperCon, Steve, at any point? Constantly. Constantly? Constantly. Yeah, yeah. Oh. No, I'm stopped oh. in the street and, 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 and I'm called an imposter. I, the imposter syndrome, oh. I, I live yeah. and breathe it. Always have to prove yourself. I, get I do. You, you know, I it kind of reminds me of, of of Ken from from the Barbie movie. You know, he was always trying to prove himself. He always had yes, to be Ken. Yes, and speaking yes. of Ken, yes, and yeah. that was a beautiful, beautiful segue. Yes, yeah. and our guest today is our first boomerang, or second time guest, if you prefer. And there's good reason for that. In over a decade of executive coaching, this man has helped leaders at every level become more inspired, and in turn, more inspiring. His training has helped agencies grow and manage business, improve client service, and enhance employee performance, and I'm assuming employee satisfaction as a result, but I never like to assume. He is the principal of Jacobs Consulting and Executive Coaching. It is our distinct pleasure to announce the return to Laughing Matters of, hold for it, Ken Jacobs. Kenny, how are you, man? I have returned. I, I It's a return. I hate the word comeback. It's been 18 yes, months. Sir. It's been 18 months. It has. It seems it like has. only yesterday, but it it's does been seem like only yesterday since uh, you last appeared on, on Laughing Matters. But in this evolving True. world of leadership and communications, that can seem like a decade, Ken. So do you think leaders are learning to take it easy, easier, or are they still as uptight and finding it as challenging as ever to decompress? Well, you know, that was an average question, a fair question. Thank you, Steve. So I think that um, that's their choice, right? It's all about choice. Leadership is a big choice. It's, it's your decision to lead, not just manage, not just be a practitioner, not just owning an agency, let's say. And it's their decision to follow. And they really make that decision. But, but the other choice is, how do you want to lead? Because we know that research shows self-care, which might include decompression, meditation, mindfulness, exercise, movement. And, and I think a good hearty laugh, a good, you know, a good belly laugh. I think all of this helps leaders cope, helps them cope through uncertainty. And maybe more important, you become the kind of leader people choose to follow, people want to follow. And at the end of the day, the definition of leadership is not that you own an agency or a business or your CEO or founder or whatever. You know, it's about do people choose to follow you? And I think in an era when employees, you know, happiness is down, 
hugely and and employee engagement uh, or disengagement is up, you know, giving some thought to why will people want to follow me? So so I, I don't know that it's taking it easy, but I think it is embracing some of the things we just mentioned. Yeah, no, it's a great answer. So it, oh, uh, to his credit, Paul did some due diligence and, and looked at the last uh, six or seven video podcasts that you've produced. And it seems like a lot of the, the leaders, all of whom are terrific, um, are using a lot of the same words and expressions. So do you think that, um, and I don't know if I would call them cliches or aphorisms like, you know, servant leadership, but did, you know, over time, does that make an audience tune out? I mean, how do you keep your your leadership podcast fresh? And what can business leaders do to not use the same expressions every other leader is using? Yeah, well, I think, you know, kudos to Paul for watching six or seven. You know, we we know Cody couldn't be bothered. But and I will say I'm a big believer in cliches because they've stood the test of time. They mm. really have stood the test. So I'm like the cliche guy. I'm like uh, I, I'm constantly on the phone with clients saying cliche alert. Here it comes. <laughs> um, but I think, it, you know, it's not just about the words. It's about what does it stand for? What does it mean? And I think, and and there's all kinds of types of leadership. There's command and control. I believe we have learned that does not work, right? But I think if the notion of servant leadership, if the leader says, I am only successful when I help my people succeed, when I set them up for success, when I delegate, when I empower, when I support, when I let them go out on the uh, tightrope, if you will, and that if that's where your joy and your passion comes and that's what you embrace, that servant leadership mindset, it doesn't matter what we call it. If if you really embrace that, and obviously that's the one I believe in, um, then uh, the cliche works and your people will follow them. So it really, you know, you can use some of those words and not be authentic, or you can use them and mean it. And if you mean it, your people will know. I absolutely, I believe that quite passionately, in fact. I love that. Standing the test of time. Steve Cody has also stood the test of time for quite a long time. So well, he sits, he has to sit more and more, but I do. Actually, I, I lay down more and more. Uh, right. <laughs> he, we, he, we're working out a way where he can climb a mountain, but like by hoists and levers, and you know, be that'd be my that would be my idea of mountain climbing. That, that's to be quite, quite innovative. Up, to be lifted up. Yeah, that uh, is that is innovation, Ken. That is innovation. That's me. That's, that's what we do. Thank you. <laughs> speaking speaking Thank of you being innovative. That. Yes, yes. Uh, go, I want to go to some of your live streams on YouTube. So we've had, a, obviously, we've done a lot of our due diligence with you, Ken. Uh, but you now I'm getting a lot. scared. Now I'm yeah, getting be scared. scared. Be very scared because you talked a lot about how leaders need to increase emotional intelligence. Yes. Can you explain emotional intelligence, in particular, for our Laughing Matters audience? Can you explain what role does humor yeah. have in emotional intelligence? Okay, so I'm going to work that a little backwards. There are a few definitions of emotional intelligence. I think it is the ability to understand the role emotions play in an organization and in your leadership. It's the impact your emotions have on your followers. Um, and and there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, um, power in that. Now some and it is about you know understanding and managing your own emotions. Now. One of the definitions says 
um, manage others' emotions. Speaking of cliches, I think that's a slippery slope. I don't think leaders should go down the path of trying to manage others' emotions. If you're working at understanding your emotions, managing them, understanding the impact it has on the workplace, understanding the impact your your emotions as leaders have on your followers, that's enough. Don't, don't, don't go down the path of, of managing others' emotions. Now, I wanted to bring it back to humor. I don't, I don't know that you use humor to build your emotional intelligence, but I would say if a leader is emotionally intelligent, I think they have the ability to know when to use humor, to know when it's right, to know with which followers it works, with which maybe less so. Um, I, I want to quote, um, you know, in the in the words of Steve Cody's boss, Clayton Fletcher, you know, <laughs> when in doubt, leave it out. You know, so so if you're emotionally intelligent, if you're more conscious, you'll know how to use humor and, and it can't be forced. It always must be authentic. Can, can my, may I call you, Ken? I really prefer your lordship, but it's your podcast. Ken, uh, you pick the pillar in society, whether it's uh, political, whether it's business, whether it's academia. Um, do you see any leaders out there who are using um, self-deprecating humor um, or are, are leading uh, with emotional intelligence and injecting humor in the right way and in the right place at the right time? I think in politics, we see it, it's almost totally devoid of self-deprecating humor, in my opinion, but really open it, wanting to hear what you have to say. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a big believer that we all need more self-deprecating humor, though I would say for whatever reason, right now I'm working with a few leaders who use it a little bit too much. And so I think it's sort of like something they rely on. And the danger is, will your people respect you and follow you. And if I can quote Barry Rafferty, who I know Steve knows, sure, and I hope you admire. Of course. She had a great one. At one point, there were only four women leading global agencies, communications agencies. She was one of four. That, that's a whole other problem that there were only four. But but she once said such a quote, it so moved me. She said, liked leaders are liked respected leaders are followed. Mm. And so I, well, I, I can tell you why that resonated with me because back in the day when I was on the agency side, I think I leaned into being liked more than respected. And with hindsight, that wasn't always a good choice. So I'm actually working with a few leaders who are affable and amicable and working with them on when is the self deprecating right and when do we have to go more into um respect mode but you know so, but we're so, we're so, so polar oh go ahead sorry so are you turning them to assholes ken no 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 they're they're amicable they're affable they're lovely warm funny people but we're helping them understand where that doesn't always result in being followed and I and I think as you if you if and not everyone has this issue. Some need to be 
liked more than respected than they are now for me. And again, this is why it resonates because when you're coaching people, you're, you're experiencing and living all the things, at least for me, I don't bring my story into it, but there's an awareness and a sensitivity that you're aware when your coaching clients have, you know, issues that maybe you experience. So, so it, it really resonates with me. I think if you're liked, if you make the shift to respected, you, you don't have to lose being liked, but you have to know when you've got a difficult decision to make, you, you've got to go, in my view, by, yep. by respect, by yep. respect. But, you know, we are so polarized now, Steve, as you cited, mm-hmm. that I think, at least politically, I think people are afraid to use self-deprecating humor, though, though I, I, I think president biden uses it all quite frequently yes quite frequently and i think he tries to diminish the power of you know he's too old kind of thing with with some of his humor but you know i'm getting a button that says yeah joe's old but he's not steve cody old he's you know he's still wow. he's no, still no one is funny that, no, he's that old ken no one is he's that old. still funny <laughs> Stand the test of time. Stand the test of right. time. Um, I hope that, 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 that's 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 so interesting, Ken, because I, I feel like most people generally what you want to do is just to be liked. Right. You, you're going through through elementary school, middle school. So like you want to make friends, want people to like you. And it's really hard to you know make that switch and that transition to, OK, well, I can still be liked, but I also need to be a leader. Right. So that that's really interesting, and particularly because in your role as as, as a coach, right, as a leadership coach, Wanted to also ask you when you come across uh, clients and executives, what are some of those traits that allow them to be more coachable? And then what are some of those characteristics that make them uncoachable? Yeah, well, you know, here's the big secret. I, I think most coaches know if you're doing an exploratory, you know, within five, 10 minutes, 15 max, is this likely going to work? So I look, number one, I look for you know, do they want to make the positive, make positive, sustainable change? And are they willing to do the heavy lifting to get there? Because in a coaching relationship, the coach doesn't do the work. The coach doesn't do the heavy lifting. It's the client. So I'm very much looking towards that. I'm looking for, do they have at least a certain level of self-awareness, a certain level of self, you know, they're not, you know, they're not coming to me and saying everything's really great and and all my followers who filled out my 360s they're all wrong they're all wrong about me mm-hmm. you know um and, and and actually when they say that and this is maybe more after we review a 360 or i do a 360 on their behalf i do get a lot of oh they misunderstand me or they're wrong or they don't get it or they don't like me i know who said that they, they just don't like me And what I say is that may be true and be that as it may, how will people follow you to achieve what you need to achieve in your organization if that's how they feel about you? So that can be, and if they're open to that, you know, then maybe we're okay. Um, Three would be, um, they really want to have success, but there might be one or two things getting in the way and they genuinely want to get rid of it. They're not living with it. They're, you know, there's less of that. Well, that's the way I've always been. That's the way I'm wired. You know, you know, that, that, you know, that that's probably 
not going to work. And then finally, and this is the most ethereal, if I'm using the word correctly, like, do they seem open? Do they seem open to change? Do they seem open to questions? Do they, you know, do they, do they seem open to that? And again, I know the coaching engagements that I've turned down, I knew within 10 minutes. I knew it. And, and, and it is important if a coach doesn't feel the person's coachable or they'll do the work or that we're a good fit or I'm the right coach for them. Like, I think we're honor bound to uh, to turn down the gig. We've come to the question that you've been waiting for, Ken, your most embarrassing, right. cringeworthy moment from your personal so I, or your professional life. Yeah, yeah, it's a little well. It's it's more personal, but uh, and I, I, you know, I, I spoke to my family. Should I share this or not? And it was mixed. But I decided ah. again, based on, you know, Cody's not getting any younger, <laughs> or the rest of us. So let's just, you know, be free. Ask for the cupcake. So actually, a mutual friend, Bob Reed. Oh yeah. Um, said. I'm not going to say the name because that would just be, you know, do you know so-and-so on Facebook? She's awesome. She's this. She's great. She's funny. She, she's in advertising and marketing. I just think you'd, you'd just be friends. You'd be good friends. So I reached out and we connected. And in, and in the beginning, so she posts a picture. She's at what was then the renovated, newly renovated Lincoln Farm and Homestead and birth, not birthplace, but the one in Springfield, the one in Springfield. Okay. Uh, and totally interactive. And there are these life-size statues. So you have Robert, the son, I'm guessing was the tallest. And then you have Abe. Maybe maybe Abe was, I don't know. But Abe they was six four. Tall. I'm going to go with Abe. Okay. He was six four. So I don't know what Rob was, but Rob was, you know, six plus. Yeah. And then you have Mary Todd Lincoln, who was quite diminutive. Mm-hmm. And then... Wait, I'm, mess- I'm messing up my son. Tad and Willie and well, whatever. Yeah, you've got Tad, Willie, right? et cetera. Yes, and Tad and right. Willie. And, and et cetera, the youngest child. And so <laughs> they couldn't come up with another name, so they called him et cetera Lincoln. So at <laughs> any rate, and it's life-size, so it keeps going down in size. And then the person in the photo, my new friend, looked smaller than Willie or Tad. And so I ask her, Oh my God, how did you take that photo? You look so much smaller than Willie and Ted. Was it a special angle? Was it the way you stood? Is it a lens? Like you'd think I was with modern photography. How did you possibly do it? Her answer was four words. I'm a little person. Oh. 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 <laughs> but, but that was cringeworthy that was cringeworthy how did you how and did you respond how did you respond i just apologized and i yeah. said i didn't know and she laughed it off and she's very vote well she's very vocal about living in a world with a particular dwarfism that she has and people are not kind people are awful to her but so wait let me create that she shares sometimes people are nice and helpful and whatever and other times you you just cannot believe what they say or do. But she was forgiving right. and good. she's become a dear friend. But I would. Ha- so if that's my second most cringeworthy. I can't even tell you the most cringeworthy. That's OK. But that that's, was but that was pretty that well, was I'm, pretty cringeworthy. I, just, but just the way she the way she did it. I'm a little person. We do have another question. 
and it's it's putting you on the spot, but I like to do that. So what do you see uh, as the three greatest benefits an organization that embraces humor and laughter can expect, Ken? Yeah, Um, I I think you feel a closeness and you feel like a team. You don't feel like a family. It's not family, right? Because how often does your family write you a paycheck, right? So let's separate family from team. But I think it does create a closeness and we're in it together. I think it allows you to have the ability to get through uncertain times or challenging times, however you want to see it. And I think laughter allows you to say, maybe challenging or better yet, maybe uncertain or better yet, maybe there's opportunity. Maybe there's something we can do together because we're laughing. I think uh, your life expectancy will go up. And I mean both for the people involved who laugh and the organization. I think, I think, I honestly, I don't like to say too many things publicly in honor of Steve Cody. I'll do it privately, but, you know, but I do think humor has gotten you through the thick and the thins and the perfect storms of which there've been a few and Mm -hmm. to allow you to be where you are today. uh, There's no doubt it's because you as the leader not only said it's okay to laugh, but you encourage it and you laugh and it's done with kindness. But I, but I really think that that's an an important part of it. Uh, Two other quick thoughts. Again, I'm kind of going back to something I said, but many of your listeners, if they've chosen a job in this field or they've been called to it, it is a tough life and laughter helps you enjoy it more. And Ken, I know I know yes, our, our listeners who are Paul's immediate family and maybe a few others, they can find yes. you, your, your leadership uh, series on, on LinkedIn. Um, can you provide some uh, URLs for us? Yes, just go to www.jacobscom.com, the website. If you're finding me on LinkedIn, look for the Ken Jacobs comma PCC CPC. There were a few other initials, but I'm the only Ken Jacobs with at least those two sets of initials. Were, um, so you can find me there. And on YouTube, it's just just look up Jacobs Consulting and Executive Coaching, and you should find me. So we're we're easily found. We're easily found. Well, I I I know I speak on behalf of Mr. Mershon when I say thank you, Ken, for coming back for a, a second uh, encore or an encore, not a second encore, but for an encore, um, you were insightful, which is not like you. You were True. funny, which you were funny, which is like you. Thank and, you. Uh, and I think you really added a lot of value to the conversation. Thank and I think you. anyone who listens to this will benefit from it. And I highly recommend you as an executive coach and leadership coach. So thank, thank you, Ken you, Jacobs. I appreciate that. Thank, thank you, you both. It was good to be back. Uh, well, first off, thank you so much, Ken, and uh, we will be back. We will be back for yet another edition of Laughing Matters very soon. Thank you so much, Ken. Okay. Thanks, Ken.